we're going to be thinking this evening uh, about whose voice you want to listen to, hopefully more than just my voice. Whose voice do we want to listen to? And um, some of you will know the TV show The Voice. So there's a singing competition. Uh, the first round is done by blind judging. So the, um, the, the celebrity um, judges, they're facing away from those who are singing to them. They're facing towards the, towards the crowd watching the show. And they're listening to the voice in the background. It's the first chance they're having a chance to listen to their perspective students sing. And, and they're listening for the voice that they are attracted to. They're listening for the voice that they attra they're attracted to. And if they hear a voice they like, they think, I want to coach that person, they push a big red button. It's pretty cool. Big red button, their chair swivels around, and it's emblazoned with the words, I want you, I want you. That's what the singer sees. And the question for the judges all the way through is, whose voice do you want to listen to? Whose voice are you attracted to? Who causes you to turn your chair? And that provides a rather apt illustration for our text this evening, which is asking us the question, whose voice do you want to listen to? Who turns your chair? We're presented with two voices as options. On the one hand, we have God's voice, which we are encouraged to listen to. And on the other side, we have our voice, which we are encouraged to be cautious about using in haste. We have God's voice and we have our voice. Picture yourself in the auditions, listening to those two voices. Which one are you going to push the big red button for? Which one will turn your chair? Now, the choice should feel quite stark if we've been tracking along with Ecclesiastes so far with our preacher. We've met two types of people, haven't we? We've met the wise person and we've met the foolish person. That's been the theme all the way through. The foolish person characterized as one who walks in darkness, who doesn't listen to the voice of others. Whereas the wise person, they're described as the ones who see things properly, who please God, who acknowledge God. Now, despite the vanity of life, the preacher, he thinks that it is better that we are a wise person than a foolish person. He can say that much about life. And this reading, it gives us some guidance on how to be wise, but also some reasons why we would want to be wise. How to be wise and why we'd want to be wise. And the key command for us who would like to be wise, it's there, 5 verse 1, key words, guard your steps. Guard your steps. Or we might say it more casually, watch your step. Watch your step. There's a warning in these words for how we handle ourselves as we come into the presence of God. And two examples which help us um, diagnose that, whether we're relating to God wisely, whether we're listening to his voice, whether we are indeed guarding our steps. The first example is when we go to the house of God, and the other is when we are vowing vows before God. So we're going to think about going to the house of God and then vowing vows before God. And we'll take them each in turn. Let's start by thinking, what does it mean to guard our steps or to watch our step as we come into the house of God? So that house of God, that's a reference to the Old Testament Israelite temple where the Israelites would have gone to worship God, they'd have gone to draw near to God and offer sacrifice and praise and prayer. It was a very big deal if you were an Old Testament Israelite. This was coming into the presence of the holy God, the creator, the one who made everything, the one who redeemed you. And for us today, that is a picture of us coming before the Lord, 
in prayer and in praise and to learn from his word and to serve him with our lives. It's a picture of whole life worship. It's not just the Sunday gathering, but something far more holistic, something far more inclusive. We're talking here about whole life worship, a whole life lived before God. And notice that there is an assumption in the command there. Um, It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. What's that assuming? It's assuming that we do indeed go to the house of God. It's assuming we go to the house of God, that we do indeed approach God in prayer and praise and learning and service. It's a good moment to ask ourselves whether we indeed do that. Do we seek to live our whole lives in reference to God? Our whole life as an act of worship before the one who made us before our creator. And we're called to to live all areas of our life with reference to God because it's impossible to live any area of our life without reference to God because he made everything. We've seen um, in Ecclesiastes so far that under the sun, that word vapor, life under the sun, it's characterized as vapor. It's incoherent. It's confusing. It seems incompatible with our expectations. It's frustrating. It's like trying to hold on to the smoke in the air. You can't quite grab it. You, can't, you can see it, but you can't quite take hold of it. It's frustrating. But on the flip side, it's not all bad news, because the preacher, he thinks that there is goodness in life as well. He does say there are things to be enjoyed, and there are situations to be relished. And it's as we experience both the frustrations on the one hand and the joys on the other, it ultimately proves that God... God proves to be the only solid foundation in which we can gain a footing to understand all of that. He's the one who makes sense of it all. He's the only one in whom we can find contentment. That's what Ben was helping us think about last week, finding contentment in God alone. We can't find contentment aside from God. So worship, it's a whole life activity. It's not just for Sundays. So we're to watch our step in every area of life as we walk before God? Are we walking on that solid foundation? So that's how we begin. Guide your step when you go to the house of God. Verse 1 continues, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that what they are doing is evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. So, as we draw near to God, to worship him with our whole lives, we are to listen. We are to listen to him. Now, the picture we're given here of this um, this foolish sacrificer, this rash speaker, this hasty heart, they're pictures of one who comes before God to perform rather than to listen. Someone who comes to perform rather than to listen. It's a picture of superficial, casual religion. It's a picture of presumption. Coming before God, when we feel like it, occasionally, casually, with our agenda, the performance that suits our needs. And just look, who is trying to do all the talking in verses two to three? If you look down at two to three, who's trying to do all the talking? 
With this presumptuous worshipper, this guy, God cannot get a word in edgeways, in his own house. This is a guy whose chair is turned entirely towards his own voice. He doesn't seem to be listening to God at all as he comes to this apparent act of worship. It's all rash words, hasty words, much business, many words, lots of talking, not much listening. In contrast, we are to be those who listen, those who are quick to listen to God and slow to speak. But how is it that we are to listen to the voice of God? God's word to us, it is here in this book. There's a reason we call the Bible the word of God. It is how God speaks to us today. That is how God speaks. There's a lot of content out there in the world, isn't there? I looked this up today. I don't know if this is true. One website suggested to me that there are 328 million terabytes of data created every day. I don't really know what that means. It's an impossible number, isn't it? 328 million terabytes of data every day. If that's even vaguely near true, that's extraordinary. Seems like everyone wants to be a content creator, don't they? Everybody wants to be a content creator. They want to find their niche. They want to blog about it. They want to find their voice. They want to offer some unique insight to meet the needs of people that isn't already there. So many people, they want to be creators without recognizing the creator. They want to be the voice in the room without listening to the voice of the person whose room it actually is. When we approach God, we're not trying to be content creators, and neither are we approaching God seeking novelty, seeking consumer novelty, something new. Some things are ancient, and that is okay. Some things don't change every five minutes, and that is okay. Frankly, I find that a relief, because things are always changing. Some things are meant to be listened to rather than added to. Solid, ancient, relevant foundations for whole life worship. And it's here, in our hands, on our laps, it's the word of God which stands forever. What a privilege. I've been quick to listen. It doesn't mean we don't speak to God, we don't pray. God tells us to speak to him, he invites us to pray to him. I hope you'll join us on Wednesday as a church family as we gather to pray. But we first need to remember who we are praying to. Who are we praying to? Lots of people in the world pray, don't they? But who are they praying to? Are they praying to the God of the Bible, the God of their salvation, the God who made the world? So how do we guard our steps as we go to the house of God and make sure that we are coming before God to listen to him? How do we do that? Well, the answer there is in verse 2. Did you spot it? The answer in verse 2 God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. That is the key. God is in heaven, and you are on earth. We need to remember who God is in relation to us if we're going to get this right. We're on earth. We're under the sun. That's the Ecclesiastes language again. We're under the sun, whereas God, he is above the sun, isn't he? He's above the sun. He's different to us. We can't understand life under the sun unless we look to the one who is above the sun. 
And we need to see God in his right place and relate to him well if we are to find anything but vanity in our lives in the here and now. We need, we need God as our reference point. He's the source. He's the firm foundation of everything that is good, of all goodness, of all rejoicing. It comes from him. There is a classic human tendency to try and pull God out of heaven, to pull God down and make him like a bigger version of us. He's a bit like us, but just a bit bigger. Rather than thinking of him as the one who is completely other than us. Completely other than us. We mustn't degrade God in our mind. We have to have this big picture of him. He's not just a bigger us. He is the uncreated creator. The uncreated creator, whereas we are the created creatures. If we get that, if we remember that God is in heaven and we are on earth, then our hearts should burn to hear from him. Because it is an extraordinary privilege to be able to hear from God, that he broke into our world. He is infinite and unfathomable and eternal, and yet he condescends, he comes down to make himself known, to speak to us in the Bible, frail, weak, flawed, imperfect creatures like us. What a privilege. Our heart should burn to hear from a God like that. And when we finish tonight, I want to pray that our hearts would burn with a longing to hear God speak the one who is infinite, the one who is unfathomable. Do our hearts burn to hear him speak in his word? We're incredibly privileged to have the Bible in our hands. And let's not belittle God by degrading the life and pure wisdom that he imparts to us through his words. God's voice is speaking. Are we listening? Are we listening? Is he going to be the one who turns your chair emblazoned with the words, I want you, God. I am listening. Now, there's, um, there's a lot to do in life, isn't there? There's a lot going on. It's easy to forget that life is all about God, um, that all of our life is meant to be lived with reference to him. It's easy to come before God in that casual manner, coming before him occasionally when we feel like it with our agenda, that performance that, that suits our needs. But verse 3, it reminds us, a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. A dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. It's much business in life, many words in life. But in an episode in the New Testament, throwing aside much business and many words, Jesus reminded a lady called Martha of the one thing that was necessary. Hopefully we can have that on the screen. A woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted by much serving. And she went up to Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. We might say much business. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his words. 
and that will not be taken away from her. If we are to honor God and to be wise and to make sense of life, we need to sit at the Lord's feet and listen to what he has to say. That's how we watch our step as we go to the house of God. That is the source of whole life worship. It's as we listen to the voice of God in the scriptures and then do what it says. And that brings us to the, to the second part of our reading, to our second example of how to, to watch our step, how to guard our step, keeping our promises to God. In other words, now that we've, and we've sat at his feet and we've heard the Lord's teaching, let's do what we've committed to do. Let's do what he says. We'll pick up from verse 4. When you vow a vow to God, don't delay in paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? So as we listen to the voice of God in heaven, he's going to tell us how to live. He's going to tell us how to live. He's going to tell us how to serve. He's going to tell us how to honor him. Jesus says this in Matthew's gospel. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. That's a picture of whole life worship, isn't it? Take up your cross and follow me. If we've heard Jesus call to follow him and we have said, yes, I want to follow you. If we vowed that vow, let's not delay in paying it. If we've vowed that vow, let's be quick to keep it. God isn't interested in, isn't interested in empty promises. He isn't impressed by superficial and casual religion. That's not why we're here tonight. God wants us to know him. He wants us to hear his voice, to turn our chair and see that there is something above the sun. There is something that makes sense of the vanity of this world and it is our creator. And it's living our whole lives with reference to him, with our creator in our sights. That makes sense of everything. And that's what these verses call us to do, to live our whole lives with reference to God. He wants our words and our heart commitments of faith to flow out into the everydayness of our lived experience. Let God be the Lord of your whole life. That is the key to paying our vows, as the text puts it. Let God be the Lord of your home life. Let him be the Lord of your family life. Let him be the Lord of your social media life. Let him be the Lord of your work life 
He's the creator of everything. You can't escape him. You can't lock God up in a box or in a building or on a particular day of the week. He's everywhere. When you go home tonight and you start scrolling through your phone before you go to bed, let him be Lord of that. God knows best. He knows best how we should use our social media tonight. He knows best how we should conduct our relationships. He knows best how we should treat our family. God knows best in every area of life. And the question is, have we been listening to his voice? It's right here. And if you've been listening, do what he says. God absolutely loves his people. He cherishes his people. He wants them to find genuine joy and rejoicing in life, despite all the enigmas and the confusion and the vanity. He's not trying to ruin our fun. He is offering us, in his words, the fullness of life, based on the ultimate hope of eternal life. Will we push that big red button and turn our chair to the voice of God and cry out, I want you, Lord. I want you to be Lord of my home life, of my family life. I want you to be Lord of my social media life. I want you to be Lord of my work life. I want you to be Lord of my whole life. I am listening. Our final verse tonight, um, it forms something of a summary for everything we've said this evening and for the book of Ecclesiastes as a whole, and we get a similar verse right at the very end of Ecclesiastes. For tonight, we have verse 7. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. Now this verse, it could have been written, you must fear God. But the author, he chose to front God in that final clause. God is the one you must fear. It's like the word God there is triple underlined. God is the one you must fear. It's there for emphasis. Because if we forget God, everything falls apart. We've seen that in Ecclesiastes so far. If we don't have God, everything falls apart. Our many words and dreams and plans and schemes, they're all smoke in the air without him. They're all incoherent enigmas. Can't quite make them work. Have we got the eyes of wisdom to see that? That's the call of Ecclesiastes. That's the challenge. If we do see that, then the conclusion in verse 7, it makes perfect sense. It is God we must fear because of who he is in relation to us in heaven. Now, fear here. It doesn't mean cowering before God as though he might turn on his people and fly off the handle because we've just got it wrong one too many times, not that. His righteous judgment has been paid on the cross by the blood of Jesus. For Christians, he's won forgiveness. He's promised grace. God is faithful to his people. He's faithful to his promise. That doesn't change. Fear here, it's an appropriate posture. It's an appropriate attitude. It's describing our attitude of reverence before God, the way it should be. That is open to instruction from the creator who knows best. An attitude of sincere worship that loves him, 
and sincerely bows the knees to him and submits to him and wants to listen to him and follow his ways. That is the fear of the Lord. As Proverbs states it similarly, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this begins to give us an insight into the life of the wise person, as Ecclesiastes puts it. It starts with listening to God's voice in every area of our life and doing what he says. That's what it looks like to be wise. Listen to God and do what he says. Whose voice will you listen to? That's where we end up. Let's take the advice of the preacher. Incline our ears to hear him, to hear God, and let his word be the thing that turns our chair. Let's pray as we close. Lord God, we pray that you would inscribe on our hearts the knowledge that you are in heaven and we are on earth, that you are greater and worthy of all praise. I ask, Lord, that each of our hearts would burn with a longing to hear you speak your word to us, the one who is infinite, the one who is unfathomable. Help us burn to hear you. Lord, please give us a sense of the incredible privilege it is to have your words in our hands. And may we take hold of the promise of life on these pages as we listen to the pure wisdom that you impart to us through these words. Give us right reverence and obedience to your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.